Sports Talk with Craig and John brought to you by Plastic Surgery Associates. Over 36 years of serving the region. For face, body, and skin, go to Plastic Surgery Associates of SD.com. That Brett Favre has in this huddle. No one's near him. Look at his pocket. The cradle's perfect to throw from. And he finds Dugan down the field. And now takes a quick shot for Berrien. A lot of popular all-time Vikings last night were tweeting about it because it's one of the most popular and exciting Vikings teams of all time, 2009. That was the Metrodome win over the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers on their way to 12-4 and and within archaic overtime rules of the Super Bowl that year. And it was shown last night on Monday Night Football. John Gaskins with Craig Baddock. Craig took it in a little bit, soaked it in. We had Sage Rosenfels last hour, a quarterback on that team with some great stories. And you can hear our interview with Sage, podcasted at kwsn.com and the Marv's Body Shop podcast page. We'll bring back some of it in about an hour here on Craig and John. We'll also have Dick Bremer, the voice of the Minnesota Twins, at the top of the hour, 5 o'clock, about a half hour away. He has a new book out. It's an autobiography and his own personal stories of a lot of the cool moments and moments you've never heard about in Twins history. But it is that time of the week, a Tuesday in the 4 o'clock hour. Matt Zimmer, tires, 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 fan line from the Argus. Uh, You said you did not catch... The 09 Vikings Packers. Craig, like me and you, Zim, doesn't watch a lot of old replayed games even during these sports-starved times. But he did He did watch last night. Why did you uh, did you know about it, or did you just decide to avoid it because you didn't care? Uh, I knew about it, but honestly, uh, when it comes to the 09 Vikings or the 98 Vikings, I don't really like reliving those memories, even from the games that they won, because I just remember how it ended, mm. you know? And uh, that's still, I, I don't want to say it's fresh because it's 11 years ago. Um, but, you know, I did hear about it. I saw it on Twitter and was kind of like, oh, that might be fun to watch. And then I was just like, no. Because if I watch that, all I'm going to end up thinking about is, you know, the game against the Saints in New Orleans, Favre, you know, getting beat up, Favre throwing the stupid interception, all, all of it. And I just, didn't, I just didn't want to. So, like, even, you know, I, I'm sure you saw, that uh, Fox Sports has been showing some of the Twins World Series games, and I did watch a couple of those, uh, largely because, you know, those are good memories. They won the <laughs> World Series. and But even then, I was kind of like, well, I'll watch games 1, 2, 6, and 7, but I don't think I want to watch games 3, 4, and 5, because those are the ones I lost. So <laughs> the road that's, just games. How, that's just kind of how it is for me. Yeah. That happened in both 87 and 91. They won all four games at the yeah. Dome. And right. they lost every game on the road, and they should not have been hosting those series, by the way. That was back in the old archaic rules of the going back and forth, and the American League just happened to luckily for the Twins be hosting uh, in in both of those years. But no one's no one's giving that back. So, Craig, did did you did you ever consider the nightmare of '09's finish to not watch any of a game? Oh no, I just wanted to just recapture a little bit of the magic of Brett Favre. I mean, there is no other Minnesota Viking that captured the excitement, especially during a whole season that Brett Favre did. Besides Brett Favre, who would have been an all-time Viking in their history that captured as much emotion throughout a whole season? Uh, it's, it's, it's Brett Favre way up here and, you know, maybe Adrian Peterson or, well, I'll take that back, Randy Moss. Randy Moss would be right up there with, uh, with uh, Brett Favre. 
Yeah, I think Randy Moss in 98, I mean, his whole career obviously was, you know, if, or I should say his whole Vikings career was sort of a an electric, memorable thing that certainly energized Vikings fans far for, for like a one-year deal. Um, but even, like, I think if you had to pick one year of Randy Moss's career that was sort of the most memorable, it would be his rookie year of 1998, how he kind of burst onto the scene. I think he had 17 touchdown catches, that huge game against Tampa Bay in the opener, one rookie of the year, and obviously the Vikings' whole team that year was outstanding, went 15-1, and and we know how that ended, too. Yeah. By the way, last Vikings question, uh, Brad Childress confirmed to the Pioneer Press he is really, really, really retired now, in his own words. Uh, unbeknownst to most people, he has been employed in the NFL for nine of the ten football seasons since the Vikings in 2010. In fact, eight of the nine, I should say. And uh, I put this up on our poll question at KWSN Sports. How do you best remember Brad Childers? Like, just, you know, what, what, you can go word association or just your, you, your feeling of his legacy in his four and a half years as the Vikings head coach? Uh, I would say a mild disappointment. Um, you know, he was the coach of that 09 team that was one of the best teams they've ever had. Got to the playoffs two or three times. Um, but there were pretty high expectations when they brought him in. You know, he was a pretty highly sought-after guy. Uh, I think the Packers interviewed him that same year because they had an opening. And, you know, Mike Tice was a pretty popular coach, even though he hadn't been great. Um, And so, you know, I I think expectations were high. They had a lot of great players on the roster at the time. And, uh, you know, the the 09 team was certainly the height of his era. And if they had won the Super Bowl under Brad Childers, everything else would have been, you know, moot. Like, he's the guy who finally brought him that championship. Uh, But he didn't. And I think that, coupled with the fact that he just wasn't a very likable guy, uh, especially early in his tenure, uh, I think most Vikings fans have a somewhat sour memory of, of Brad Childress as their coach. I think the personality gets in the way. He was 39-35, and 35, and if Tice had that kind of a record, which that was about Tice's record in his four and a half years, then there would be more favorable opinion of Brad Childress. He did give us this one shining moment. I did watch him. I was standing right behind him when he was warming up, and... So I'm kind of reach for reach for his groin and you know hold it and whatever you do with the groin, <laughs> rub it. That's what I think I witnessed. Um, it twinged a little bit on him. So we'll always have that. Do you remember that one, Zim? No, what's he talking about? I don't know. We uh, we, we we asked Sage Rosenfels that hour, and he wasn't sure because I'm not sure what that what that's from. It was probably from. Uh, it's I think it's safe to say it was probably from a player. That's November fourth, twenty oh nine. So it was Sage's year. So it was probably it was probably far. Somebody somebody warming up and uh, and uh, you know and uh, had a groin injury before before a game. So he was asked injury. To, he was asked about a groin, and he gave a very matter of fact uh, soundbite about a groin. So there you go. All right, Matt Zimmer joining us here on Craig and John, Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, and KWSN.com. We we talked about this last week, but we keep learning things. We keep hearing from athletic directors, conference commissioners, guys like Dennis Dodd, who reports on college football for CBS Sports. He was on Rome show today, Zim. We played a few of the bites in the segment before this. That the, I mean, the money that these athletic programs have already lost because of a lack of an NCAA tournament, mostly, um, and that could lose without football in the fall, you know, is going to force them to make some big decisions. Cincinnati has already gotten ahead of it, the University of Cincinnati and cut men's soccer. You know, what, what's your feeling of the way schools like South Dakota State are going to handle things? 
Uh, it's really hard to say. Um, you know, like, it, it depends on if, you know, this might be a situation where having, being one of the haves, so to speak, can be a good thing or a bad thing. Because, you know, like we mentioned earlier, like, a school like Ohio State or Nebraska or Texas or Oregon, whatever, you know, they have these incredible resources and these incredible revenue streams, but that also means they have incredible budgets and salaries and facilities. All They're spending a ton of money in addition to making a ton of money. They cancel the football season. The amount of money that is lost by, say, the entire Big Ten or Pac-10 for not having any football, in just in ticket sales, then you factor in, you know, TV revenue. I mean, it's astronomical, the amount of money that will be lost there. Now, if, say, FCS football, like – how much are they losing? Because not all those schools even make money. You know, a school like South Dakota State, uh, it, they are, as far as I know, in the black when it comes to football. You know, they make they get anywhere from eight to 10,000 fans a game on average at their games. That's good, uh, but it's not the same as these schools that draw 80,000, 90,000 fans to games. They don't have the TV revenue that these other schools get. So, you know, I, and I don't follow the business side of sports closely enough to know um, does that mean that the blow will be lesser for a school like South Dakota State because they're not losing as much? Or does it mean the blow will be that much harder on them because they don't have the, the resources and all the things in place that those other schools do? Uh, my guess is that it's just going to be bad for everyone because, you know, losing the, the NCAA tournament, we all know how, you know, that loses all this money in, in TV and, you know, ticket sales, all those things, whichever schools had advanced through the tournament. But, that filters down to everyone, you know, so everyone was a loser when it comes to that. And the same goes for losing college football. And, you know, the other thing that it could potentially cause problems with, and again, I don't know how this necessarily translates to the local schools, certainly the D1 local schools, but also the Division twos, the NAI, those sorts of schools. But think about how much football funds other things. You know, I just read something today that said uh, LSU, just to use as an example, uh, a couple of years ago, their budget, uh, the football program, had $85 million in revenue, basketball made like $2 million, and the rest of their sports combined were a loss of $25 million. So football is basically paying for everything. Well, if we lose football and if we don't have a college football season this year, whenever things do come back, you know, our schools just going to be able to get right back to the, the previous status quo and go back to having everything. Or you just mentioned, you know, Cincinnati cutting men's soccer. I didn't know about that, but you have to wonder, like, if we lose football, even if it's just for a year, what will that do to Title IX? What will that do to sports like soccer and tennis and golf that don't have, you know, that aren't revenue sports, that can't sell tickets, don't have TV contracts and those sorts of things? What will it do to scholarship numbers? What will it do to staffing? Will schools have to say, all right, it's great that we've been able to have 30 football coaches on our staff because we, we're swimming in money, but we went a whole year without any revenue now. Do you have to get rid of these quality control coaches and all these guys that, you know, fill out these enormous rosters on coaching staff. So there's a million things that have the potential to be affected, but asking me, you know, what that effect is going to be, what what's going to happen, I, I have no idea. I just know it's scary for everybody. you got to think the ADs and the presidents, they're putting all of their options together right now for – whatever may happen, because the later this goes, uh, the more they're going to have to change those plans. And so I'm, so, I'm sure Justin Sell has uh, been putting some pencil to stuff to figure out what, what may happen, what may happen uh, if we don't get uh, football back as soon in the fall. By the way, the NCAA um, 
Division One Council was supposed to meet here coming up this month. In fact, a week from uh, Thursday on deciding to see if they want to have St. Thomas move from Division Three to Division One. Sounds now that committee will, won't meet until summer. Um, have you heard anything else about uh, the NCAA and the uh, Summit League and trying to get St. Thomas to get into the league? I have not. Um, just, you know, it kind of goes back to the what we've kind of said all along is that it seems like St. Thomas is kind of a, a slam dunk and how that affects some of the other membership, for, you know, obviously Augustana's potential trying to get in. Uh, but, you know, Kansas City's coming back in. You know, nobody's leaving that we know of right now, but as we learned a couple of years ago with IUPUI, um, that can come out of nowhere. You know, they just kind of one day were like, hey, we're out, bye. Uh, so it's hard to kind of know exactly, you know, what the immediate future holds. And this coronavirus thing obviously makes everything that much more confusing. Who knows what's going on? Um, but it, I guess it is I don't know, nice to see that, you know, there are some parts of business as usual that can continue on. And it's good, I think, that they're, they're trying to address this because St. Thomas University needs to know what's going to, you know, assuming they ever have sports again. Uh, know where they're going, what's, what their future is going to be, and the rest of the Summit League do, does too. And, and Augustana needs to be able to you know, plan what they're going to do going forward because that's another question coming out of this. Is, you know, h- how are they able to prepare for this move to Division One when everything is at a standstill? I, I have no idea how that's affecting them. So well, add that to the list the of things that are... Yeah, the Summit League presidents were scheduled to be at Augie in early May for a site visit. Uh, we were told that by Tom Dupel right before the Summit League basketball tournament. And you got to think uh, that that's not going to happen the way the conditions are right now. That's not going to happen, no. <laughs> oh, what a mess. What a mess. Um, by the way, we're bouncing around with college athletics and the topic, but where do you come out, Zimmer, on for you yourself personally going to cover sporting events whenever they're allowed to start happening again? Or, like, say, go up to Target Field, an annual voyage that you make, to go see a Twins game or even a game at the Canaries ballpark. Are you a guy that says, okay, if, if sanctions have been uplifted, uh, we're, sports are ready to compete again, are, are, are you going to be like, okay, well, I'm allowed to, so I'll go? Or do, are you and you know, engaging a, a lot of people who, who regularly go to sporting events or casually go to sporting events, either way, uh, are going to still be kind of like, I don't know if I want to be out and around people that much. That's a good question, and I hadn't really thought of it. Um, you know, I, I think I said to you guys one of the last couple of weeks that, you know, before this all happened, I was a pretty careless person with things like this. I was the opposite of a germaphobe. You know, I didn't, I'm never the person that minded shaking hands or touching other people or, you know, sharing a drink or anything like that. And um, so this has all been especially not difficult for me, just different for me to suddenly have to change my habits as drastically as I have. Um, so on one hand, I could kind of see myself going, eh, I'll go to the game. I'm not worried about getting sick or whatever. But on the other hand, you know, this is a lot different than the things we've dealt with before. And, um, you know, I haven't been tested for coronavirus, uh, but I don't think I've had it at any point. I mean, we obviously know that there are people who are capable of having it without even really knowing. Uh, but assuming I, I, I haven't had it, um, and let's say in a couple of months they say, okay, it's not, we're not giving you the all clear necessarily, but we're sort of pulling back on the restrictions and letting people kind of ease their way back into their lives. I don't know if I'd want to, you know, go cover a game or go sit in the stands shoulder to shoulder with other people where you're obviously breathing on each other and touching the same surfaces and, and all those sorts of things. Uh, you know, I might be inclined to say until there's a vaccine, 
or until uh, I have had coronavirus and recovered from it and built up an immunity to it that, you know, I'm maybe hesitant to do those sorts of things. But again, giving you a definitive answer on that question is tough, too, because one thing we've learned throughout this situation is that it's so fluid. I mean, what we're hearing is different all the time. The projections of how many people are going to get sick and how many people are going to die are always changing. You remember early on in this outbreak, they were telling people, don't wear masks, that's worthless. And now they're saying, you can't leave your house without a mask. So, I mean, there's not a lot of consistency to it. And so that makes it kind of tough, at least for me, to know what decisions to make. And so I I can't give you a good answer necessarily of how I'll start dealing with that once things supposedly start returning to normal. Yeah, we keep hearing it's going to take 12 to 18 months to find a vaccine. That, to me, is not... That, I don't, that doesn't sit well with me if I want to go to, down to Lincoln, the Memorial Stadium, for a football game with 90,000 people, if there are going to be any. Uh, Dennis Dodd mentioned how you know they, they might think about measures at these schools, at these stadiums, uh, to you know, have some sort of... Um, well, he said something to do with your forehead to, to you know to instantly test and see if you should be allowed in or not if you're positive or not. Or just test your your if you have a fever, basically. If you have a fever, that's it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just imagine that. I mean, that's taking you know checking what's in your bag to another level at all these uh, games. Yeah. Weird yeah. world. Uh, Matt Zimmer joining us. We'll liven it up or we'll lighten it up as well. We'll do both uh, by learning of something he had to do while adjusting to life in these quarantine times the other night. Uh, a rather costly endeavor while most of us save money during the pandemic. It's Craig and John, Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. Dick Bremer, almost 40 years as the TV play-by-play voice of the Twins. Top of the hour to tell us some stories here on Craig and John. Did you miss one of the awesome discussions or compelling interviews? Hear them back by going to KWSN.com. Click on Podcasts. It's easy and available anytime. KWSN.com. Click on Podcast. The KWSN Fan Line brought to you by Tires, Tires, Tires. Your give you more tire and automotive store. With two stores to serve you. Go to Tires3.com. Dick Bremer. TV voice of the Minnesota Twins for almost 40 years. Joining us in just over 10 minutes, top of the hour here on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. I'm John Gaskins with Craig Maddock. What are you looking forward to hearing about from Dick Bremer, who has a a new book out, Craig? Well, he has uh, been involved with the Twins for a long time, and he has Mm -hmm. had to go on air a number of times with um, late-breaking events mm. for uh, Minnesotans, and how he's in, how he has handled those uh, has been quite amazing. Uh, from the Kirby Puckett death to remember the big bridge collapse yeah. of yeah. 35W, and of course 9/11. Um, I mean, he's had great uh, an opportunity to do a lot of great ball games. Well, and some pretty crappy ball games too. But yeah, um, it's always interesting behind the scenes. How how did he? Uh, how did that affect him live on the air, knowing that things were breaking? Um, and just one of the things I read in his book that um, you know, all you know, Matt, even 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 you, you've done some live stuff, and something has happened the moment that you're on air, or you're you're working on a story, and you know it affects you. And how how does that affect you uh, while doing your work? Yeah, I mean, you guys know better than me, certainly that live sports is a, a whole different animal. I'll, I'll never remember or never forget the first time I did a live TV spot 
um, the uh, anchor was someone who still works in town. I won't name him, but after we were kind of preparing for it, and he was cause again. I had never done it before, and right before I went on, he goes, "There's one rule that you have to remember," and I was, "What's that?" And he said, "Don't say the f word." <laughs> and I was kind of like, "Well, that seems obvious." And he meant, "No, I mean like anytime you're on the set, like not just when we're on the air, like because you just never know when someone's gonna, you know, a stray microphone will accidentally be turned on, or you don't know you're on the air, or something like that." He's like, "Seriously." Just don't say that word at all while you're here. He should have uh, said that right. to Bert Blyle. Right. <laughs> that, that was, I was just about to kind of lead into that. Yeah. So uh, Bert apparently was never given that that uh, that heads up. Yeah, he thought he was taping and he was live. He was not with the, he was not with Dick that day, by the way. Uh, Matt Zimmer of the Argus joining us here on Craig and John on KWSN and KWSN.com. We, you know, we were referring to how the pandemic is. Uh, changing and challenging everything. Um, y- you tweeted about this today, which is why I bring it up uh, with your girlfriend. You suggested takeout. Hey, wouldn't this be fun? You can still take out uh, dinner these days. And uh, what transpired after that? Well, they had margaritas for delivery, and so we got a $45 pitcher of margaritas brought to the door. So <laughs> Nice. I nice. guess I didn't stipulate exactly... I didn't give her a spending limit, so his and hers. Yeah, that was a that was a ninety dollar dinner. So, all right. Yeah, <laughs> was it delicious? And did the margarita, you know, at least put you in a good mood? Yeah, they gave us a, a pitcher of margarita mix and then a bottle of tequila and let you mix it yourself. Although <laughs> the ratio of mix to tequila was was we ran out of tequila a lot quicker than we ran out of mix. Let's put it that way. All right. Does tequila do weird things to you? Uh, some of some, you know some of my better and crazier stories were with tequila. Uh, whiskey is kind of my kryptonite. That's the one I stay away from. Like bad things happen when I drink whiskey. And the other ones I can, I can handle in moderation. Okay, Craig, what about you? The uh, beer guy, beer. No, but has there been a particular? Is it is it because other things make you uh, a different person? I I have never uh, liked uh, the the mixed drinks. Never been. Never been. Just don't like it. Stick with beer. Good good decision. Craig. Okay. Yeah, beer's good. I like beer. Um, uh, oh, it, hey, but this is a good transition into the, the last thing we have time for. Uh, it happened just, uh, I think, the night of or, or the night after you were on our show last week. Uh, the death of John Prine. Uh, you're just you're, you're a very intense musical consumer, and I know he's near the top of your list. So um, yeah, how can you put into words for those who didn't understand the uh, scope of John Prine, who passed away last week. Um, he's just someone whose music is very uh, accessible, I think, and comforting to every anyone. Um, he wasn't super popular, um, but he was someone that whenever I introduced his music to someone else, they almost always instantly liked him. Um, and not even necessarily, and that's not always the case, you know, for people who are, are country or folk or whatever, however you wanted to kind of characterize him. He was often compared to Bob Dylan, and a lot of people don't like Bob Dylan. But, um, again, he was just someone, whether it was girlfriends or family members or, or friends of mine, whenever I would turn him on, try to turn him on to John Prine, they would almost universally be com- come back and be like, I don't know how I never knew about this guy. I get, uh, he wrote, yeah. Go ahead. He just wrote so many songs about so many different things, and he was an extremely talented storyteller um and and wordsmith that's such a stupid word but that's what he was i mean and he had an ability to sort of have a song for every occasion Mm -hmm. and uh that just made him someone that i always 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 went back to uh there was it's not like he was ever a a fad in my listening i always 
never go more than a few days without reaching for a John Prine record. So that was really sad for me and a lot of my friends to to hear that that had happened. Occasions including death. When I get to heaven, I'm going to shake God's hand. I'm going to thank him for more blessings than one man can stand. Then I'm going to get a guitar and start a rock and roll band. Check into a swell hotel. Ain't the afterlife grand? Then I'm going to get a cocktail, vodka and gingerbread. Yeah, I'm going to smoke a cigarette that's nine miles long. I'm going to kiss that pretty girl on the show to work. I played that a few times last week. Puts a smile on your face. Uh, Matt, appreciate your time as always. We got to fly, and we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. Matt Zimmer of the Argus. Sports Talk with Craig and John. Craig returns. And when we come back, Dick Bremer, a soundtrack of our lives for those of us who live here in Twins territory. We'll talk about his new book and tell some stories on KWSN.